Welcome one and all to episode 57 of the Scum and Villainy podcast, a weekly Star Wars podcast where we break down the latest and greatest in Star Wars news. I am your host, Garrett McDowell, and in my co-pilot seat, it's Noah to George. How you doing, buddy? Hey, what's going on? I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, ask, ask me what the weather's like right now. What is the weather like right now? Well, I know we said we weren't going to talk about the weather ever again, but <laughs> it is storming where I am right now, and uh, I wanted to make that clear in case anybody is listening and then they suddenly hear a lightning strike and they're like, wait a minute, it's sunny out, what's <laughs> happening? Uh, that was me, sorry. No, it's just a, a sound effects that we're adding to keep the keep the <laughs> listeners on your toes. And, and speaking of weird audio things, uh, I am currently on vacation, uh, currently uh, recording from sunny Anaheim, California, spending some time at Disneyland. Uh, you and I had talked about in the future we are wanting to do maybe a uh, Galaxy's Edge review. I, I, I got time to uh, be there a couple days ago. If you've been following me on the uh, the Instagram or the Twitters, uh, I've been posting photos and having a lot of fun there. So we will be getting to that. But all that to say, I am recording in the bathroom of an Airbnb. <laughs> awesome. Love it. I have uh, uh, comforters strung everywhere to try to muffle some of the sound and try to muffle some of those echoes. So if it sounds like crap... That's why. Hopefully it sounds amazing. Hopefully it sounds better than normal. I was going to say, yeah, we're going to listen back and you're going to be like, wow, I should hide myself in the bathroom more often. I should record from the bathroom of an Airbnb more often. <laughs> uh, but Noah, since we are uh, on a bit of a time crunch trying to squeeze this in as much as we can, probably going to do a pretty limited episode today. Um, we are just going to be talking about part four of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, no news today. To be honest, there's not even that much to be discussing today, so it kind of worked out. Uh, we will be talking about, of course, part four of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, so there will be no time codes in the description because that is the only topic of today. But there will be some spoiler thoughts. So uh, obviously, if you clicked on this episode that said part four, Obi-Wan Kenobi review... There's going to be some spoilers, uh, but first off, Hopefully Noah, that's what we'll talk about. Yeah, <laughs> if the title didn't cue you in. Uh, but first off, Noah, we're going to dive in and talk about some spoiler free thoughts on the episode. So, Noah, part four, Obi-Wan Kenobi. What are your thoughts? Well, this is kind of the I, I think it's the most heavy handed episode that says, hey, if you weren't like if you weren't on the train with the rest of us of how this kind of stuff matters, both in the future and in the past, mm-hmm. uh, now you're there. Uh, there, there's a lot of stuff in this. That's very, very, uh, not at all subliminal. It's really, really kind of in your face. Like, Hey, this is why this is important. This is what this is reminiscent of. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, if that kind of stuff goes over your head, then that means that you either haven't seen any of the mainline movies uh, or you aren't actually watching and <laughs> I don't know why you turned it on in the first place. Their so, eyes are closed throughout the whole episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, Hey, Quinlan Voss, man, that he just that's said true. something about that's that. True. I think that's true. Um, but that's kind of like, that was the main takeaway that I had was I was like, this episode is fully like, okay, if you're watching this and you're here to be like, Oh, it's not, this isn't that fun. This isn't that interesting. Then I think you're you're looking at some of the wrong parts of this of this series. You're definitely not that you're missing the point. I don't think that there's a right and a wrong way to watch things, but um, there's a lot of stuff in here in this episode in particular that says, hey, if you remember some of the stuff that we've already talked about or some of the stuff that's already happened in the universe Mm -hmm. uh, that we are in, then, yeah, this is going to this is going to hit you in that way. You'll definitely see it. 
which I love. Yeah. And I think it's really great throughout. Yeah. I thought this episode did really a, a terrific job of offering, you know, great action, but also great character work as well. There's a lot of stuff being done here. A lot of parallels in this episode that we'll be talking to um, characters that are paired with one another that I think serve as kind of a really nice yin to their yang uh, and having these parallel emotional journeys that they've gone on, but then also like visual parallels as well to where references to certain things that have happened to certain characters. Yes, as you mentioned, some of them are a little bit more obvious than others, uh, but even small moments or small character beats or a change in clothing, things like that, that I think really well tell this story visually uh, and what our characters are going through on an emotional level. And then beyond that, I think it's a really fun just adventure you know and we're, we're in this this you know this episode it's not you know that's not too much of a spoiler but this episode takes place mostly on the fortress inquisitorius and it's this really nice kind of throwback to we're in this evil base and we're sneaking around and in classic star wars we're taking the the you know the enemy uh uniforms and wearing those as a disguise and and trying to sneak around and be uh be as secretive as we can but all the while all the while there are moments where they do reveal a lot of great character beats and I, I haven't seen an overwhelmingly negative response, but to those who who um, maybe weren't as, as big of a fan of this episode and saying that there's like, well, there's not like a lot of big character reveals. There's not a lot of big, um, you know, jaw dropping moments like there has been in the past couple of episodes. I think that it's important to remember that not every single chapter in this story needs to have a jaw dropping moment. And there are those smaller moments where that I think reveal a lot of character. Um, and, and things said and things not said. And it honestly reminds me of, um, you know, there are episodes of the Bad Batch that we had talked about to where, yeah, you know, it's just another mission that these guys are going on. But what what are their actions telling us about their character and, and how this, you know, they're growing as a group and, and how they're, you know, learning to bond and work together as a family. And I think that the same goes for this episode, but it's mostly in regards to the 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 journey from uh you know old crazy hermit ben kenobi to jedi master obi-wan kenobi and and seeing that journey that he goes on there um also the journey with reva and leia because the two of them are are you know paired together per the ending of the last episode and seeing their dynamic and how the two of them kind of impact each each other's um character journey here and beyond that this uh episode has a lot of fun callbacks and references to things um uh, animated properties a lot of video game stuff as well too um, so I think I just really fired on every level for me. Yeah, this doesn't have any jaw dropping moments or big giant reveals or something that's going to, you know, change the trajectory of this series. But it really just I thought was a very solid chapter in this that that offered great thrills, great action, great adventure, but also really great character moments, too. Yeah, I think that I I can say that this may be uh, my favorite chapter so far because everything is very, mm -hmm. I think especially everything in terms of performances yeah. is really solid. Mm -hmm. There's nothing for me to, to, I mean, complain about is a bad word, yeah. but you know, that's not necessarily what I mean. Yeah. I think, I think that there's enough to point at and say, mm, do I like this? Do I not like this? Yeah. I'm going to have to really kind of test the waters here. Yeah. Um, but I do think that in you know, and granted, this episode was much shorter uh, yeah. than the than the previous I, I, episode. I believe it's the shortest of the series so far. Just yeah, a, just a little bit over thirty minutes. It's definitely kind of. I think it hit all the marks that it was going for, yeah. um, and I really appreciate it for that. Like, I think that that's super. That's super. Not not that it's a bad thing. That it's rare for 
you know, an episode of a series like this to really hit everything. Yeah. But I just wasn't, I wasn't dissatisfied with, with a number of things, mm-hmm. um, or, or even had questions about a number of things like I have in previous series or previous episodes of this even, yeah. um, not to say that it blew me away, yeah. but you know, I, I, I think you're right. It really was, you know, kind of everything was rock solid. Really though, there was a jaw dropping moment for me. It's that outfit change. Ooh. Ooh, excited boy. to be talking about that. Yeah, Ooh, there was another one for me, uh, and it's a little less, uh, <laughs> maybe a little, uh, a little less spectacular than some fans might be anticipating. But me, as a longtime Clone Wars fan, uh, I was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> uh, very excited to be diving on into this but before we do Noah we've got our little arbitrary rating here out of uh, how many thumbs or your you know what's up what's down what's sideways what are, what are your thumbs thinking I'm thinking honestly I I am thinking honestly two thumbs up here mm-hmm. not like an emphatic two thumbs up but these are just some soft thumbs like yeah you you're not gonna get any any complaints out of me right. I don't think I'm gonna you know, even if I were to rewatch it, I don't think I would be, you know, see anything and be like, oh, well, that's a little, you yeah. know, uh, I'm going to say two soft thumbs up. Yeah, I'm in a pretty similar headspace and I, I, I can understand how some fans would be like 31 minutes. Really? That's it. OK, I was kind of hoping for a little bit more, especially the last episode had some really big moments, you know, and I think, in the you know people would maybe expect something bigger from that or to me I'm like well we just had a, a really big episode not that this episode scales it down because the scale of this episode is pretty big but as far as those jaw-dropping moments I, I wasn't really expecting that for the next episode but I think that in the time that it has I think it tells its story very efficiently it doesn't drag the pacing of the episode is really well done and like I said there's great adventure uh, a lot of fun pew pew Star Wars moments that we're all here for of course but I also love that in the action they find great moments of character uh through dialogue through action and through uh visual storytelling so uh i i might even be too uh emphatic thumbs up for me um wow, i don't know right. if my thumbs are like exploding with fireworks or anything like that uh but i really did enjoy this episode and it was kind of uh, uh you know a great version of this i don't know again if we if i have any yeah. uh real negative notes or things that i would really change about this episode it was just really super well done uh for me here yeah. so i i do need to make a note though once you start introducing pyrotechnics into our rating system we're going to develop a whole new thing <laughs> because now it's like okay well where do the pyrotechnics come in yeah. and are they you know is it like your thumb is a lighter uh, or is it you know like there's a there's actual fireworks yeah my, so it's like i've got a thumb with with the little snaps that you throw on the ground at fourth of july like that <laughs> you know i've got a, i've got a thumb up but with a sparkler <laughs> so We'll, we'll have to sit down and make a, uh, you know, a full on a flow chart here. But before we yeah. do that, Noah, let's go ahead and just dive on into spoilers. Uh, the episode begins with Obi-Wan Kenobi waking to find himself in a starship flown by Tala. Uh, while he is in the ship, he is submerged in a back to tank. And uh, in this little back to slumber that we're used to seeing, uh, you and I had hypothesized that we might see some Clone Wars flashbacks. Uh, but we do not. We do see some uh, earlier kind of haunting visuals here. Uh, but Kenobi is thinking about his uh, memories of the earlier duel with Darth Vader. Um, so lots of things to discuss here, first of which we had kind of um, hypothesized a little bit that there might be some flashbacks in this little back to tank kind of um, uh, little bath that he was having here. Um, were you disappointed that we didn't get any big uh, Clone Wars moments here or did the, the did what we get satisfy you? 
Um, I'll say this much. Yes and no, and also no for a different reason. Okay. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, if you guys remember listeners and if you Garrett remember not, not just a few episodes ago, I predicted, I made the bold prediction that we would not see any Clone Wars Anakin flashbacks mm-hmm. and I'm on a four episode streak, baby. Dang. That is, Dang. I'm holding on to it. Um, <laughs> I know that that was like contrary to what most people were thinking and or hoping, mm-hmm. uh, me being one of those people, I was, you know, I could definitely hope for that, but I don't think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so on that end, uh, you know, yes, I'm glad that we didn't get any of that. Um, or no, I'm, I'm glad we didn't get any of that because the, you know, my prediction's still going. Yeah. Yes. I'm bummed that we didn't get any of that because I'd really love to see that. Yeah. Um, but then also no, again, I'm not bummed because this scene, the way that it plays out is almost, you can almost view it as if Obi-Wan is in his tank, you know, kind of recollecting and, and re-experiencing these things. Mm-hmm. And we get flashes of Darth Vader in his tank. And I like to think that he's also thinking back on, on those things kind of intercut. Yeah. It's not necessarily, you know, confirmed that we're quote unquote inside Obi-Wan's mind and just seeing what he's seeing, but knowing the the structure of this, you know, aftermath, I don't think it's too far of a leap to assume that, that Vader is also like, man, what just happened? Yeah. Like did that really just happened. And, you know, so that I honestly, that, you know, thinking about that, it's kind of cool to me, honestly. Yeah. I, you know, the more I think about it, the more I'm not, it, it's not a requirement for me that I need Anakin and Clone Wars armor as much as I, you know, love the idea of seeing a young Hayden Christensen, uh, in that iconic, you know, now, uh, animated armor, uh, and something that we've all really wanted to see. I've wanted to see live action versions of that armor since the Tartakovsky clone wars and seeing the, yeah. the armor, the clone armor that uh, Kenobi has <laughs> in that as much as I understand the desire from that to me, it's all about, well, what does that communicate when, if, if Obi-Wan is thinking about this time with Anakin, is this something that he's looking back on fondly? Is he like, oh, remember when our Jedi, uh, you know, our, the Jedi Order was suckered <laughs> into this war and you and I uh, spent a lot of time and, and energy fighting this this conflict that we had no business being in? Because the Clone Wars is not supposed to be a good memory for the Jedi. It leads to the downfall of the Jedi. And so if it was to be in this moment here, I don't know what that would serve. To me, I kind of like this idea of what we do get to where um, Kenobi is is envisioning this earlier duel with Vader and like you and I had discussed and it's it's made you know you know we're not we're not geniuses here <laughs> uh, finding any kind of uh, super deep hidden meaning here it's laid out pretty thick uh, of the parallels between Kenobi in this moment and then Vader in this moment because they're literally intercutting between uh, Kenobi's arm Vader's arm or, or Vader's lack thereof arm you know uh, and, and talking about the uh, you know the um the, the, the parallels between the two. I, I think that's kind of the key word here is parallels or poetry, if you want to kind of use the old George Lucas meme here. Uh, but this idea that Kenobi is in this bath healing, uh, but mentally kind of uh, haunted by what had happened before, where Vader is almost kind of like boiling in this back to tank and just using it to continue to fuel his rage, you know, and and just thinking about eliciting all this this pain and anger on on Kenobi. I kind of like that. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily, you know, a requirement for me. Yeah, it would be cool. It'd be a cool moment. Um, but I think if you were to do that, it might be a little bit early, earlier on to where 
to me what would we had talked about is where Kenobi is visualizing Anakin and he's thinking about Anakin he's going to think of how he knew him not how he knows him now now that he's seen him as Vader I think that that's going to be the image that he sees I don't think it's too yeah. late I don't think it's too late there's still opportunity there but I do I do kind of like this idea here of Kenobi in the back to tank you get those obvious visual uh, parallels between the two of them but then also this idea of the relationship between the two and, and how Kenobi views Anakin and how Vader now views uh, Kenobi. I, I think it's it's made pretty clear. Um, some could say it's maybe a little too overt for me. It really worked uh, without laying it on too thick uh, personally. But um, uh, in the back to tank, Noah, uh, Kenobi climbs out uh, and Tala reveals to him that they are on their way to the planet uh, Hajim. Is it Habim? Jabim. Jabim. Um, Kenobi asks about Leia's <clears throat> whereabouts um, and uh, offers to uh, kind of spring into action immediately. Um, I don't know about you, but I really am enjoying seeing Kenobi slowly but surely come into this role of, of, of care of, about something yeah you mean yeah <laughs> to give a shit you know um yeah. that he's he, he doesn't there's no really any kind of uh coercing that he needs he's just kind of ready to go and to spring into action and even though he is far from healed it's just a really nice contrast from what we saw in the original episode to where he really is throwing out all of these different excuses of, oh, I can't go because I have to stay here to Luke. Oh, I can't go. I'm not the Jedi that you used to be. And it really just kind of comes out of this place of fear. It's like, oh, I can't go. I have school tomorrow. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know? yeah, it's just not, it's not really working for me. I got to feed the, got to feed the dog, got to <laughs> water the plants, you know. Uh, but we had talked about that before of he's offering all of these different excuses, but it really just comes down to fear and fear that he's not the person that we once knew. So I don't know about you, but I just thought it was really great to see this nice contrast of I know I'm not healed and I know I'm not ready for this battle, but Leia needs me. So I'm going to go to her. Yeah. I, I think that that's the thing that comes through the strongest is knowing that he's, you know, less than equipped, less than ready. Um, and is still like, well, it's, I, I can't just sit around, mm -hmm. right? The mission's not done. Yeah. Um, it is very, you know, that that's just very classic Jedi yeah. and good to see. Yeah. It's one of those things that's like, you, you know, like you said, kind of referencing back to the first episode um, and knowing, you know, what kind of things were keeping him there and and looking at what changed and, yeah. you know, whether you want to see it as well, maybe now knowing that, you know, knowing that that Anakin is a part of this just as much as Leia and Luke are, yeah. you know, maybe that's the thing that has spurred him into action or, you know, and, and maybe it's knowing that other people are putting forward effort and he's not. Yeah. Um, so I love knowing that it could be a multitude of things and maybe we'll get a clear answer on, you know, as to what was it that, that really pushed him? What was it that like, was the tipping point to say after 10 years of this nonsense, like get out of bed yeah. and, and get up and do something. Um, and, and keeping that faith and keeping that hope alive throughout this yeah. is kind of what is most exciting about the eventual conclusion that we'll have, you know? Yeah. And there's another character that Kenobi meets in this episode that I think uh, kind of continues that line of thought. So we'll put a pin in that uh, and then come back to that. Cause I think that the interaction between Kenobi and this character also kind of has that nice yin and yeah. yang, like I was referring to earlier. So um, at the fortress inquisitorious on the ocean moon of Nur, uh, a defiant young Leia tells her stormtrooper captors that she is the daughter of a Senator and a princess of Alderaan. 
I really loved that proclamation there of like, do you know who you're talking to? And she's like a small child talking to (laughs) space Nazis. You know, I just loved the confidence and, you know, it really reminded me of uh, uh, young Carrie Fisher in A New Hope, just standing up to, uh, you know, Tarkin and mocking him and, and, and Vader as well. When she first meets Vader, she like gives him sash. She, she doesn't like bow to him. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So immediately I was like, this is so like seeing, being able to have this visual, being able to, you know, to have people look at this and say, oh yeah, I guess that kind of does, you know, remind me of so-and-so Yeah. like, yes, we've gotten stuff like that in much smaller media. Um, you know, media that's not exposed to, to as many people, comic books yeah. or, or books. Um, and you can see those parallels, but having this to be like, Hey, here's your visual. This yep. is your cue to say, remember this character, this is development. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and putting that in front of so many people, I, I love the way that it's done. I don't think it's too overbearing with it at all. Yeah. And if you would have asked me before the series started, you know, do you want one of the main stars of this series to be a small child, not just like a kid, but like a young kid, I would have been like hesitant. We've talked about it before, not because I don't have faith in the child actors, but uh, my, my fear is that if this person doesn't live up to the expectations of fans, especially when you're playing a character that has the legacy and the importance of Star Wars uh, and the importance to myself as well as a, uh, as a fan, uh, Princess Leia is my second favorite Star Wars character, very closely tied to first. Uh, but Vivian uh, Lyra Blair, the actress that portrays young Leia, is not just doing a good job. She's doing a phenomenal job like is genuinely one of the best uh uh components of this series and every single episode she just continues to blow me away so if there's some young leia merch out there with like a i want a (laughs) young leia funko pop you kidding me like she does such a good job uh in this series so i'm really glad that i think for the most part of what i've seen fans are really giving her her flowers because she is uh, absolutely knocking it out of the park I will say, though, it was difficult for me uh, in the first couple episodes because all I could think of was knowing uh, that in the trailer for Robert Rodriguez's We Can Be Heroes, uh, she judo flips a grown man and the man says, she's got shark strength. And it's the worst (laughs) thing I've ever seen in my life. And yes, that's Vivian Lyra Blair. And I think it's so funny. But that that image has completely left my mind by now. Um, And that's a testament to the performance of young Vivian. (laughs) We are on a good track. Hey, the show's not over and she is a Skywalker after all. So we might we might be getting that sooner than you think <laughs> maybe i don't know maybe she will have shark strength who's to say who is to say uh who, who knows what's capable with metachlorians there <laughs> uh reva enters the interrogation room uh stating that the empire does not tolerate jedi sympathizers uh, she also claims that kenobi is dead and that nobody is coming for her um, Noah, this is so far in this episode and throughout the entire episode, a very Jedi Fallen Order referential episode. Uh, the Fortress Inquisitorious is kind of the first one to come. Uh, so what did you think about this? You and I are big old fans of the game. So seeing, you know, we knew that these things are going to be in here, uh, but seeing them fully realized and, and getting a lot of time on the Fortress as well as some other familiar faces who pop up later on. Uh, what were your kind of thoughts as a big Jedi Fallen Order fan? Well, it feels good to be able to see it. Um, it fe- and, and I think, you know, the 
the proximity with which it's tied to Jedi Fallen Order, not only in, you know, era, but also kind of subject matter and and all that kind of stuff. I do think it's presented presented in a way that that really closely kind of mirrors it Mm -hmm. um, visually. And that to me is like, okay, in my head, I'm like, well, do we really need to see all of this? Uh, Yeah, we do, because it's kind of perfectly realized, I think. Um, I think the more that we see of it, because we got to see so much, the more that we see of it, the more I'm like, yeah, this one thing from this one game now feels like a more complete picture because of this. And honestly, I I was really loving it. Yeah, I I think my only complaint, and it is the nit pickiest of picks is the fact that in this you know uh, kind of bringing to life of the fortress inquisitorius i wish it was something i loved about the first game is that mustafar is 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 you you can see it behind it is literally like looming behind the fortress and there's these uh, uh other planets in the mustafar system behind it and so it feels like yeah vader's house is right there and you know he is <laughs> a phone call away and he will be there you know pounding after you and so that was something that i was really um not necessarily let down by again it's a very nitpicky thing but i think it's something that if included in this only goes to further uh, kind of sell the story and sell those stakes is is that's the threat and it's coming after us, you know, and that's something that we kind of have to uh, uh, worry about when when uh, uh, Tala and Kenobi are sneaking around the Fortress Inquisitorious. Uh, we're, we're trying not to get caught because that guy that just burnt Kenobi half to death, you know, is is right over there. Not only that, but it's also just visually really spectacular. And this, I thought, yeah. visually just for more of like an exterior shot, interior looks terrific. The vault volume no doubt uh has been implemented here but it looks amazing uh but just exterior shots again i know it's incredibly pedantic and i know it's a big nitpick uh but i do, that was something that i was like oh wish that would have been there but still as a jedi fallen order fan it's just amazing to see these things just realized in live action to really feel like that they matter not to say that lucasfilm has made it seem like they don't matter it's just some of this stuff so, we need some reminding about that. Yeah, some know? of the stuff just kind of can sometimes in the books and the comics can feel like, yeah, this is the movies, but some of the stuff is over here. Uh, and I think this and, you know, Black Chrysanthemum and, and, and Cobb Vanth and, and all of these other uh, inclusions here just really make the universe feel really lived in. Uh, I've, I've loved all of those inclusions. And so seeing this, uh, you know, realized and having an entire episode for the most part set here uh, was just really exciting for me. So. Uh, that's not the only planet that we see, Noah, because back on Jabim, uh, Tala and Kenobi approach Roken, portrayed by O'Shea Jackson Jr., uh, who, whoa, whoa. who wants Kenobi to leave on the first transport because he is putting them in danger. Uh, Kenobi seeks Roken's assistance in rescuing Leia, but Roken is unwilling to help. Uh, Kenobi tries to plead with him, uh, saying that Leia is incredibly important. Uh, Tala also kind of chimes in there, saying that Leia knows confidential information. Uh, and that they warn uh, that they have uh, Roken has no idea of what the Empire is capable of. Uh, Roken then says that he knows very well of the pain that the Empire is uh, capable of inflicting on the galaxy because he lost a uh, Force-sensitive spouse to the Inquisitors. So. I, you know, uh, we had had some some thoughts and some theories about who O'Shea Jackson Jr. would be, uh, but I really like that it's kind of this really personal side 
to what the Empire is capable of and the pain that they are capable of inflicting on the galaxy, but not just the Empire, but the Inquisitors specifically. And that when we think of these, okay, they're going out and trying to hunt for sensitive, we think of young Jedi, like in Jedi Fallen Order, who are at risk, but also Jedi who are in hiding. But I like this idea that it's like, no, it's anybody who's force sensitive out in the galaxy and they will come and find them. Uh, because they're a threat and just the idea of them ripping this, you know, man's wife away from him is, is, is so sad, but also is this really nice opportunity kind of going back to what I was talking about before of this yin to the yang that Roken in a sense is kind of the figure in the same kind of space that Kenobi is at the beginning of the series is that because of the empire, uh, he has been a victim of terrible tragedy and darkness in his life. And because of that, he has kind of secluded himself. Yes, Roken is helping the galaxy and trying to make an active difference here, but he is afraid of maybe going a little bit too far, you know, and, and, and helping those people over there, even though he might not have to, because he's afraid that his mission, so to speak, or his mandate, similar to Kenobi, will be compromised become of that. And I love that Kenobi, who, by the way, is in a uh, tunic that is you know, not identical to the one that he wears in Revenge of the Sith, but it's much more reminiscent of a Jedi tunic. Uh, and, and Kenobi, fresh from a bath, by the way, <laughs> probably the first bath in about 10 years, is kind of offering that same kind of role as Bail Organa and, and, and pulling him out and saying, no, you can do something and you can you can help here. So I kind of love that that was a really nice way to show how much Kenobi has grown since the beginning of the series. Yeah, and it's something that we are getting a good look at is kind of the place that people are, you know, regular people are mm. um, when it comes to what is what are the, you know, the beginnings of the rebellion yep. um, and seeing that it really is starting with singular people that aren't necessarily banded together. They, you know, it is a personal fight. Totally. It's personal to these people who say, well, we want to help where we can make a difference where we can. But this is mostly a personal thing, and I know my limits personally because of what I've been through. Yeah. I know the things I'm willing to do, the things I'm willing to not do, where when we reach somewhere like, you know, when we reach somewhere like Rogue One, it's, okay, you know, putting everything on the line for everybody else. You know, where right. where does that where does that limitation go? It's gone of what would you do for the, you know, for the rebellion? Yeah. Um, you know, so it's really great to see. And obviously this kind of gets its, um, it gets, it gets its payout, um, at the end of the episode and kind of what that, you know, what that lifestyle leads to, um, in a satisfying, but also, you know, very upsetting way, yeah. but it, you know, it's that, you know, conclusion of it is very reminiscent to me of what we will end up seeing. But I do love this character and showing this is a, you know, a great way for one person to show this is where the rebellion started yeah. in just people with personal vendettas that said, we need to do something yeah. about this. 
you know, for the pain that I've, I've felt. Yeah. We'll know? definitely talk about it more. Um, when we get to that, that, you know, the to closer to the end of the episode where that sacrifice is made, but I'm totally right there with you. And I love that early on and in, in seeing the formation of the rebellion, it's not necessarily like a unified front. There are kind of pockets throughout the galaxy that are slowly standing up, which eventually leads to this ultimate resistance. Uh, and it really does remind me of not only uh, rogue one, like you were referring to, but also star Wars rebels, of course, uh, but also Infus Nest and in that I love just after Revenge of the Sith. It really does not take that long for people to stand up and say, we need to do something about this. And to seeing this, you know, uh, now we have a name for it, the path, seeing this opportunity to kind of smuggle force sensitive people in and out of the galaxy and trying to, you know, um, offer help where they're where they can, despite the fact that they are putting themselves in danger. I do love this unified force and that like, you know, in Rise of Skywalker, it's just people, you know, just people standing up trying to make a difference. I really like that that storytelling here. And I also uh, I think there's just a lot of uh, symbolism and uh, throughout this entire episode, seeing, again, the tunic that Kenobi is wearing, but also that this change really comes out of him coming out of the back to tank. And there's kind of this idea of almost like a, you know, rebirth kind of baptismal kind of change here, a transformation mm -hmm. that's uh, very prominent in lots of literature, that water is seen as kind of a, an opportunity for rebirth or, or for, for change there. And I think that that's kind of proven here as well is that after this back to tank, you know, which is a great contrast to Vader because Vader is someone that in his back to tank refuses to change. And that back to is just propelling him uh, to, you know, it's not healing him at all it's just perpetuating this level of hate and this stasis that he's in he's sitting here just thinking about kenobi and, and just you know stewing in his own rage he's literally stewing yeah exactly like a <laughs> like a big uh, like a big darth vader soup you know uh, yeah. but the fact that kenobi out of coming out of this um, you know, who knows if he smells any better? I don't think that there was like any Irish spring in there. He's like, you know, while I'm here, let me just get under he's the using, arms a little he's bit. He's using the Star Wars brand. He's exactly. using the Star Wars Dr. Squatch. Dr. Squatch. And he, he's like, uh, he has actual Obi-Wan Kenobi soap too yeah. that he's using. But um, yeah, I love after this, that after a clean bath, you know, uh, emotionally, but physically as well, uh, he has kind of uh, turned a new leaf in a sense. And so I don't think that we have fully seen Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi back uh, but there are lots of moments throughout this episode where I think we see pieces along the way baby steps almost along the way to getting to that eventual place and there is one that uh, as a longtime prequel fan uh, just made me so excited to see so uh, Kenobi and uh, Tala travel on their ship to Nur. Um, after uh, uh, formulating a plan to go rescue Leia, uh, as long as, as well as uh, some other pilot members of the path here, um, urging them that this fight can be waged. Um, so uh, on the journey here, Noah Kenobi uh, reassures that uh, he will be all right uh, on this mission while he's trying to kind of he's he's tiptoeing, you know, dipping his toes back into the fourth force, just trying to use levitation here. And I just think that what a way to demonstrate kind of where he's at early on, which gets paid off later is that this is Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, who has been, you know, one of the best Jedi to ever do it. And he's not kind of, he's struggling to lift a, a small box at, at, you know, like he's doing at mm -hmm. the beginning of this episode. Well, and not even that, but I think there, and maybe, maybe I'm reading into this a little bit, but you know, the scene immediately before 
is them discussing like, hey, man, your arm is screwed up. Yeah. Like, it's no good. Yeah. And they're like, you're kind of healed, but you you got to you got to soup a little bit longer, you know? Yeah. Um, and he's injured on his right arm. Yeah. But we clearly see him using his left arm to try to levitate this tiny object yeah. that he's really struggling with, yeah. where it's like, hey, look at this. This is his this is his good arm. Yeah. But he is, you know, mentally, spiritually yeah. so weak, mm-hmm. unable to pick up this one thing. Yeah. It's just one of those, again, those dichotomies of saying like, where is this character at? Yeah. Yeah. We're seeing this. What does it actually mean though? Exactly. Um, just a thing that I really was like, huh, I kind of love that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, on this conversation on this, uh, transport here, Talis says that some things take time to heal talking, uh, going back to what you're talking about with Kenobi's arm, uh, Kenobi then responds saying that some things cannot be forgotten. Uh, Tala replies and saying that they might need to try <laughs> since he cares about <laughs> Leia. I really wanted to pause here and talk about this idea and how it compares with other Star Wars material, especially The Last Jedi. And do you think that Tala is right in the situation? Do you think that Kenobi needs to forget about Anakin? I think that there's a difference between, you know, forgetting about Anakin and you know, forgetting and ignoring, I think, are, I think are two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Kenobi's right. Some things can't be forgotten in the sense that they can't be ignored. Um, you know, and then there's another sense of the word of, of forgiveness is, you know, m- you know, kind of that forgive and forget side of it, yeah. um, is moving on, moving past it, mm-hmm. um, instead of ignoring it because yeah, Darth Vader's, you know, he's still kicking around and he's obviously a threat. It's not like Obi-Wan can be like, who Darth Vader? What? Yeah. I don't, you know, yeah. just gaslight everybody else. Um, so I think that there's a difference there that we will probably come to see, um, is that, you know, of course it will never be forgotten. Obviously we see that, um, when Obi-Wan's an old man, there's, there is no forgetting. Maybe that's honestly, maybe that's what people need to think is like, maybe he forgot that Obi-Wan or that Anakin was Luke's father. <laughs> maybe he just forgot, that, you yeah, know, it wasn't this a, is what yeah, we're seeing. It, it wasn't him lying to Luke with a certain point of view. Yeah. He was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I was like, Ben, you never told me. He's like, Oh, she's like, you're uh, not actually not going to believe this. It totally slipped my mind. I actually had no idea. He looks on his hand and there's like smudged pin. Like he had yeah. written out in sand and he was like, Oh yeah, I totally forgot that that was there. Like, I must have washed my hands or something. He's like, Oh man. <laughs> He's like, I smudged yeah. it. No, but the scene really reminded me of a last Jedi. And that I don't think I understand where Tala is coming from in this moment, but I also, I don't think that that's what Kenobi needs. And I and I also don't think that that's what Kenobi is going to have in this episode because I think like Luke in the Last Jedi, a key part in getting over that is not burying it. You know, despite what Kylo urges Rey to do, it's not turning your back on the past and burying it and forgetting about it. It's using your past to propel you to the future and look towards the future. Uh, and another quote, you know, in the Last Jedi is we are what they grow beyond, you know, and I think yep. that in this series here, Obi-Wan is going to be using his failures from the past and recognize what is the future. What is that new hope? Which, again, we've talked about is obviously Luke and obviously Leia as well in this series. And I think because of his failures with Anakin uh, and also the failures of the Jedi Order, 
I think that that is going to inform his actions going forward here. And so I think a key part of Kenobi in this is he's tried to forget it. You know, he's tried to he tried to go out into the desert and be old Ben Kenobi and forget the failures. And that's what he told Benny Safdie to do is just that lightsaber that you have in your hand. Go out in the middle of the desert as far as you can and bury it and forget about it. I don't think that that's the antidote here. I think it's acknowledging what happened, what your personal mistakes were and what can you do, you know, going forward and how can you inspire uh, the next generation? So. I love you, Tala, but I don't necessarily know if that's what uh, I don't know if that's what the doctor would prescribe here. You know, not not in this scenario, no. not in this scenario. Uh, but Tala is a uh, very uh, helpful and key in this episode, which I was a big fan of uh, because she uh, directly assists Kenobi uh, in uh, guiding him into getting uh, access into the Fortress Inquisitorius. Uh, Kenobi is guided by Tala uh, to the Fortress via underwater. Um, the same way that Jedi Fallen Order portrayed uh, access into uh, the fortress, except it seems like maybe they've, you know, added one of those ring doorbells, maybe locked the doors a little <laughs> bit because Cal was kind of able to do it by himself uh, in the first uh, in his first uh, entry there. But it seems they're like, ah, not anymore. No more Jedi in here. So uh, Kenobi uh, requires a little bit of assistance by Tala. Uh, but I also know I don't know if you had if this, you know, you're a fellow prequel kid. I got yeah, I, I was t- oh, tickled yeah, I pink <laughs> by seeing Obi-Wan Kenobi once again underwater because that's not something that just happens uh, in the Phantom Menace to where they're going to Gunga City, but also in Revenge of the Sith where like after Commander Cody shoots him down, he's got his little rebreather. So I just love once again that we're seeing Kenobi with a rebreather, you know, underwater. Yeah. That was just like. He's back, baby. <laughs> there, there were there were two things in or three things in my head during that. The first thing was I was like, oh, he's underwater. Okay. The first thing that went through my head was uh, I just I just thought of being goober fish, and I was like, Ooh, that's so teeth. dumb of me. <laughs> uh, and then the second thing was I was like, okay, we can't see yet. I hope he's wearing a rebreather. Oh yeah. I hope he is. Yeah. I hope he is. Thank goodness he was. Yeah. Uh, and then the third, the third thing was, I was like, man, that hair, that hair Just in the water, it's iconic. Baby. Just iconic. flowing, baby. Yeah. There's yes. a few, uh, a few kind of um, uh, uh, things of equipment that Kenobi has in here that are callbacks to, to prior Star Wars films. And uh, that was a, as a prequel fan, let me just say, seeing that, uh, that rebreather with Kenobi, I was just like, was that his, did the, you know, the, the path offer that to him? Has he just been keeping that on his they belt said, all oh, this time? Used, but you know, lightly used. <laughs> Yeah, Kenobi's just like, it stinks. Like, oh, <laughs> it's who like, was it's this? like borrowing someone else's retainer. <laughs> yeah, is it brand new? Did he just like crack the seal on this one or is somebody else? Yeah, I, it's probably used, right? The path doesn't seem like they've got a lot of those laying around. So. Don't worry. It's near mint condition. Yeah, okay? they, near mint. They sprayed, sprayed it down with some sanitizer there, hopefully, so uh, Kenobi doesn't get sick. You'd, you'd hate for him to catch a cold. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Noah, while uh, Kenobi is uh, uh, um, granting access into the Fortress Inquisitorius, Reva is back interrogating young Leia, claiming that Kenobi was burned to death on Mapuzo. Uh, Reva claims that the other members of the path abandoned Kenobi and offers to let Leia return to her family if she reveals where the path is. 
Uh, Lair replies that she doesn't know anything about the path, which uh, Reva doesn't like. Uh, uh, the uh, the young Inquisitor gets uh, pretty angry in this moment. Um, I want to take some time to talk about this kind of character pairing here. We've talked about kind of this nice idea of the, you know, the opposite sides of the same coin here uh, in regards to um, uh, to Obi-Wan uh, and Rokin. Uh, but I want to talk about young Leia and uh, Reva here. Uh, we touched on it a little bit last week, but to you, where is kind of this overlap in almost these similar yet opposite sides of the same coin here what, uh, between Reva and Leia? What are your thoughts on that? Well, the first thing that I was thinking was, you know, I was expecting, um, so I was watching it with my wife and I was expecting her to almost be like, why is she like being so mean to this kid? Why is she being, you know, so like aggressive to this little kid? Cause it's kind of a weird, it's kind of a weird sight mm-hmm. of like this bad guy. Yeah. It's a bad guy, yeah. you know? And she's like, I'm a bad guy, but also it's a 10 year old kid, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and she's like, I'm going to, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Um, so I was expecting my wife to be like, why is she, being so aggressive to this little kid that just is a weird thing to see. But in my head, I was like, well, that's kind of like, yeah, this, this makes complete sense because she was probably in the same position not that long ago of being a scared kid that was captured and was told, Hey man, got all these tools that are going to make you absolutely suffer. Um, it's just one of those things where you look at it and you know that in your head where you're seeing it, it's like, this is just kind of learned behavior. This is, you know, it's reactionary. It's, it's the, the format of the empire. It's what she's told to do. It's what she's taught to do. And you're seeing this dichotomy as, okay, with these characters that are clearly both very bold, very, you know, strong, Mm -hmm. what, what is the possible outcome of this situation going to be? And I think honestly, it tips you off a little bit to what, what things may have been like for Reva um, yeah. when, when she was in that position is, are we going to maybe see that potentially, you know, who knows? Yeah. Will it be an obvious callback? Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. this is for sure. It's just kind of hand in hand. Yeah. We had talked a little bit about it last week in regards to Reva seeing the path and discovering the path and discovering this uh, unified force trying to mend the galaxy and trying to offer people help who maybe again we don't know we don't know what reva's backstory is a lot of people are just kind of assuming that it is the the one of the young the the younglings that we see uh, early in this series so following on that kind of assumption here to me it seems very likely like you had said, that Reva at one point or another was in Leia's shoes. And I think there's a line in here that really kind of tees that up for myself. And she says, the braver you seem, the more afraid you really are. And it's just kind of like, it's one of those moments where you you would just almost kind of want to pause and then ask the character. It's like, did you just hear what you just said? Because it's like, (laughs) are you talking to yourself? Because that's, it seems like she really is, you know? You like, you like, you like sit her down. You're like, 
Yeah, say that again, just slower, you know, (laughs) really let it sink in, you know, because Reba, (laughs) as a lot of people have said and uh, said it almost in a negative way, but it's like, no, that's that's her character. Kylo is the same exact way to where they are brooding and they are angry and they posture and they puff out their chest trying to make them seem big and intimidating and scary. That's the whole reason Kylo is wearing a mask. I love that idea of he destroys the mask because he destroyed Snow and he he is that person in power now but once the once palpatine comes back he's like oh boy i'm going to recede back into my mask <laughs> and it's kind of a similar idea here and i think that you know we like i had said the opposite sides of the same coin i think that in this interrogation and in this moment reva maybe compromised maybe offered maybe out uh, out some of those jedi that we see later revealed in this episode not to kind of spoil what happens but uh or you know to get ahead of ourselves but i think Rhea at one uh, reva at one point of another or another you know, folded in a kind of a lack of better words and in a similar setting and in, in, in being interrogated, maybe she wasn't as quote unquote strong as Leia is not to say that she failed. She was probably very young too, but you know, Leia uses the force to resist Reva's probing of her uh, probing of her mind. And I'm almost curious if Reva has a little bit of this kid is stronger than I am. And it like she resents her for it. You know, I'm wondering if that is kind of what's going on here of I was in your shoes and I completely crumbled and I gave away the location of allies and friends of mine and people who are out here trying to do good. And we had talked about when she, you know, rubs her hand on that Jedi symbol of the path is almost kind of this wondering in the same thing. Kenobi kind of does the same thing of. Order 66 and the collapse of the Republic affected me in this way. But what if I would have done this instead? You know, I thought this was the path that was laid out for me because of what happened to me. But maybe I had a little bit more agency than I initially thought. I think that proves to be true for Kenobi, but also Reva as well. Uh, Because in this moment, Leia, you know, uses their force to resist Reva's probing, um, like I had said. And I'm wondering if Reva is just wondering... Maybe I could have been a little bit stronger. Maybe I could have pushed back a little bit harder. And I'm wondering if there is some uh, resentment here between the two of them. Well, and even that, but, you know, just knowing how this, how the rest of this plays out in terms of her being like, okay, fine. You you don't want to do this the easy way. I'm going to stab you yeah. <laughs> with all of these little yeah. medical instruments yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. Like that idea that we just saw in the previous episode yeah. with Darth Vader being like, Hey man, Hey Obi-Wan, uh, old master. Right. I nearly burned to a crisp. Yeah. Okay. How do you like yeah. it? You know? Yeah. Um, and sort of that same idea of Reva being like, okay, you're going to resist. Well, this is what they did to me when I tried to do that. Right. Okay. You yeah. know, um, and cause she, she mentions like, this is what we do to all the people that, right. You know, so-and-so. Yeah. Um, and it's also, so it's, that, yeah. it's very in line with the empire too. Cause it makes me think of like empire strikes back where they get Han and they, they, they torture him. And then when, yeah. when he comes back out, he lays on the ground and just collapses. And he says, they didn't even ask me any questions, you know? So it is this kind of right. idea of like, we're going to hurt you because we can, <laughs> because uh-huh. we like it, uh-huh. uh, because you've been causing <laughs> us so much, you know, so much grief that, yeah, we're just going to, we're just going to torture you for a little bit. So it is kind of in that similar line of thinking very empire of them to be doing this, you know? <laughs> yeah. You guys are acting a little bit like the empire right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and on this uh, fortress, no, 
Kurosawa, Kenobi is uh, busy eluding a patrolling seeker droid and stormtroopers by hiding inside of a shaft. Uh, after returning to her console, Tala uh, contacts Kenobi with her comlink. Uh, this draws the attention of the stormtroopers, but the fugitive Jedi uses the force to distract them. Uh, lots of a New Hope stuff in this, you know, not only so. uh, references to the, uh, I think it's the T-15 models uh, in this conversation yeah. here, but also this idea of we're sneaking around an Imperial facility, you know, on comlinks with some other people. There's a shot of uh, Tala's comlinks just on the table, so similar to three POs and a new hope uh, uh, Kenobi using the force to, to, you know, distract some passerby or, you know, stormtroopers here, just uh, all of which, by the way, to save Leia, you know, so it was, uh, <laughs> a lot of people uh, are, are seem to be maybe think it's a little heavy handed with the, with the, um, you know, the, the poetry at rhymes kind of meme here. So I kind of want to ask, did you like these, a new hope parallels or was it a little too, all right, guys. Yeah, we get it. We get, you know, what? I think it'd be different if they, you know, if this show was to be set up in the sense of like, oh, there's this big, bad thing and we have to, you know, destroy this big, bad thing. Yeah. And Kenobi, here's your role in this thing. You're going to be off to the side sneaking around or whatever. Yeah. No, this this feels a lot more personal. It feels really, really um not like boxed in in a bad way, but it feels very contained, very tight um, in a way that does feel different. And you see it and you just think of that thing and it's not a, Hey, I've seen this before or Hey, he's done this before. It is very much fitting for, you know, his character to be like, Oh yeah, this is kind of how he operates in these scenarios. He's not somebody that goes in and like goes in and tries to, blast everybody or try to take out people Mm -hmm. he's you know sneaking around and he's using his you know his resources to the best of his ability yeah um those are just character things to say yeah this rings true for his actions in general to say that this is a consistent character so definitely not upset about it at all i was very pleased i think it was just kind of a cool thing Um, let me ask though do you just in general do you typically kind of find yourself resistant or do you welcome those kind of to address the meme if you guys aren't familiar in the behind the scenes of i believe uh phantom menace where he's referring to anakin flying in the trade federation ship and blowing it up the same way that Luke blows up the Death Star, George Lucas says, you know, it's like poetry, it rhymes, referring to kind of these repeating stanzas, if we're going to go with the poetry metaphor, uh, throughout Star Wars and, and kind of this visual storytelling here. Is that something that bothers you, or do you find yourself kind of embracing this idea of these visual parallels, narrative parallels? Kind of what are your thoughts on that? I am honestly right now especially loving the poetry that we are getting in you know the recent stuff because i guess here's my kind of summation of thoughts Mm -hmm. is if i'm watching star wars and it reminds me of other star wars i'm immediately happy like i'm you know it makes me very nostalgic it makes me very oh man i'm watching this thing and it is you know different enough to know that it's something else but it is close enough to know that you know this reminds me of this other thing and this and this And to me, those are fun little things because I'm, you know, in my head, I'm not thinking, oh, they're just doing it again because, you know, they want it to look the same or they want it to feel the same, whatever. It means something. There is meaning behind it. It wouldn't, you know, these kind of things, they're not tossing a coin and seeing like, okay, heads, we do this completely random thing. Tails, we do the same thing we did 45 years ago. Mm -hmm. 
that's not how this is working. You know, these things are written, especially to say, yeah, we're, we're going to do this because it's reminiscent of this thing, you know, and we're doing it with the same character because that's where, that's where these people know him from, but he's also a prequel character. So we want to tie those bridges and I think that I think it does an excellent job of doing that. Yeah, I think this idea, and I, I love what you had said of just kind of this flipping of the coin. I think there's this idea from a lot of cynical fans that just like, oh, Disney's run out of ideas, so they're just kind of going back to the well here. But it's not like it seems so obvious to me that it's not a gotcha. You know, it's like no, it's an intentional choice. Like right. there are moments of dialogue that are repeated here. This and, and story beats that are specifically in A New Hope, where Kenobi is sneaking around an Imperial facility, uses the Force to distract two stormtroopers who are talking about T fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, whatever the number is, because it changes. You know, the, like it's an intentional choice by the filmmakers. You know, and to me, it's always been this idea whether it's Phantom Menace. Uh, to where uh, an, an wise old mentor picks up this young mechanic kid in a desert planet and brings them on this adventure that they've always wanted to go on, but never knew that they were capable of having this place in this larger story. Not only is that a fan in Phantom Menace and a new hope, but it's also force awakens too. This isn't like a gotcha thing. You know, you're not telling JJ Abrams anything new by saying that he borrows story beats from a new hope and in, in the Phantom Menace, it's an intentional choice here. And so I really like the idea of this and this kind of generational battle it's also a very romantic story of yeah these battles that prior generations waged are not just won and then done it's something that it's going to be generational and has to be continually fought and continually you know defeated evil is just going to find a new form and darkness is going to find a new form this idea that you can just beat out darkness with light permanently is 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 fantasy but i like this idea that darkness will continue to manifest and how you choose to defeat darkness is something that is always going to be a generational challenge and i think here it's just a really striking uh, yes, nostalgic, but also just very effective story beat of this idea of the connection between Kenobi and Leia, uh, but also the connection between Luke and Leia and that this journey that Obi-Wan goes on now, I think more accurately, Luke goes on later. Later, Yeah, Kenobi is a part of it, but he brings Luke along because he is that new hope. Kenobi is not the new hope and Kenobi would re- would tell you as much, you know, Kenobi shuts yeah. down the, the tractor beam, but who, who goes to rescue Leia? It's Luke, you know? know it's the mm-hmm. journey that he goes on here and i think it's very powerful that obi-wan is the person to go on this mission and then usher luke along to go on the same mission to to rescue leia who is kind of the star wars equivalent you know if they were going to look at the star wars dictionary of the word hope it's going to show a picture of leia you know yeah so if you're literally. if you're talking about kenobi actively saving hope or rescuing that sense of hope it seems like it's pretty literal that he would go to save Leia. So I would just urge Star Wars fans in general to lose a bit of the cynicism that they have, but especially in regards to this. And I know it's a meme and I would say most people say it pretty harmlessly, but you know, whether it's a new hope or Jedi fallen order too, because there are a lot of parallels here with that game. I like the idea of these kind of repeated story beats and something that it is romantic. And it's also not just repeated within Star Wars, but within storytelling and, and you know, mythology and Joseph Campbell and all those kind of things that these stories are built foundationally on archetypes and for you to be kind of complaining about it now it's almost like 
where have where have you been, man? Like, <laughs> yeah, literally. this is all you know, this that, is we, all King we, Arthur and Excalibur and yeah. you know Joseph Campbell. It's like, is this new to you? Like, <laughs> we talk about that all the time. Of you know, what is this closest to? What's the, what's the comparison yeah. here? And what does that mean for the rest of the story? Does this track all the way through? Yes or no? Mm-hmm. That's something we talk about all the time. Yeah. So it's just kind of this idea again. It's just like, are you? Are you, I mean, if you're, it's fine if you are, but like, welcome. But it's like, are you new here? And if not, are you just now paying attention? So um, I embrace the parallels i also embrace the meme i'm totally down for uh prequel yeah. uh, you know not necessarily like the subreddit prequel memes but the idea of prequel memes if, if it is in jest and it is a way to embrace and, and love star wars and there's another kind of a meme that we'll be addressing soon uh, <laughs> in regards to a certain character who pops up in this series but uh noah elsewhere uh, in the fortress kenobi uses a pass to gain entry into a secure chamber whose doors are marked with red imperial symbols uh, it is here where he discovers the remains of several fallen Jedi and a youngling as well as Terra Sanube. Lots of stuff to discuss here, Noah. Uh, generally, what were your thoughts on this moment? Did it remind you of anything? Did it surprise you to see a young, uh, a, a small child <laughs> in stasis as well as a Terra well, Sanube of all people? What were your thoughts on I, this? Yeah, I was wondering when, you know, it was like, okay... Obviously, we're going to we're going to have to be paying attention to who these people are. So that's one thing. Uh, And I'm very glad that we got somebody that like isn't the oh, my gosh, it's, you know, so and so it's somebody that we are fully aware of. It's just this one thing where it's like if you were to watch Clone Wars and be like. What happened to that character? Yeah. Whatever happened to that person? Oh God, that that's what happened to him. Oh geez, yeah. that's oh man, that's sad. Anyways, um, you know, um, but also yeah, just in general, um, good reveal. I think that this is one of those things that they they did set up a little bit ago that was like, oh, something fishy's going on yeah. here. It's you know, and and kind of setting him up, knocking him down, and yeah. bringing in this idea. Um, makes complete sense to me. Yeah. Um, it's something that is a little bit visceral. It's not an easy pill to swallow, both as a, as an audience member and like in the real world in 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 Star Wars. Um, it's you know that's kind of the thing of like, oh my gosh, this is what's going on here. Um, and I'm not surprised at all that there was a youngling there. I think that we'll get some more information about it. But again, just goes to show you. Among other things like snapping necks uh, yeah. and, you know, and the like, I think it just goes to show you what these people are really capable of um, in the sense that we know that they're the bad guys, but why are they the bad guys and and how is this affecting more than just our heroes? It's clearly affecting a lot of people. And we see some, that's the thing, we see so many people that we don't yeah. know. We're just like, okay, that's a person that's a person that's also a person um it doesn't matter at the end of the day who these people are it's oh my gosh they've got a whole entire collection down here that's an insane kind of story turn i guess you know what i mean yeah i kind of had like stages and waves of reactions to this because first it kind of reminded me back of um uh, a couple the Mandalorian th- season two. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. Yes, I was going to say uh, Star Wars Rebels. Uh, and there's a couple <laughs> moments in that show, uh, particularly one early on to where they go to find Master Luminara. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and it is a 
mummified master, you know, uh, Luminara who like disintegrates and it's terrifying. Uh, yep. There's that. But then also this idea that uh, Hera says later on that Mustafar is the place where Jedi go to die. Uh, and to see kind of the embodiment of that is just really spooky. You know, uh, this yeah. idea that it's just crazy to think that Reva, if she is one of these younglings, that potentially someone that she knew, you know, because she was a kid at this time. This is a kid. So it's not out of the realm of reality that she knows this person. Was it a friend of hers? Was it like, a you know, a, a colleague of her, her best friend, a roommate? I don't know. You know, but the fact that they're just suspended in animation, you know, under there, are they dead? You know, are they in like kind of a weird amber carbonite kind of situation i don't know but like it's terrifying so then there was that but then there was this other wave of is that Terra sanube like <laughs> because i don't know if you guys are familiar uh i know there's uh, lots of people who just aren't really into the star wars animation Terra sanube is a character in star wars the clone wars in like maybe i think one episode to where yeah. Ahsoka is essentially grounded uh, and has to work in the library, in the Jedi archives, essentially. And there's an old, wise Jedi master who is there named Tara Sanube, who like teaches her lessons in the importance of patience and knowledge and wisdom. Uh, it's a really great episode, and, and especially you know from uh, Ahsoka's perspective, and she learns a lot in this episode. But this old man, this old man who looks like a goat with ponytails, uh, who has a lightsaber that is inside of a cane, uh, makes an appearance in this show. And I was talking about memes early on. Uh, Terra Sanube is like a perfect example of a glup shitto. Are you familiar with the, <laughs> with the mean glup yes, shitto? Yes, I am. Yes. <laughs> and I don't mean to like perpetuate that idea, but boy, was I just completely blown away. You could have given me like an opportunity or a bingo card before this series started and be like, all right, give me 50 Jedi or cameos that you think might or have a potential to be in this in this series. Terra Sanube wouldn't have been in the top 80. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And it was just so funny to me because people are going into this episode, us included, I will say, you know, or me, me maybe a, me included. I don't want to speak for you, but like I, I could see some Clone Wars references in this episode and there are some. I just didn't expect it to be Terra Sanube. Like that was just yeah. so funny to me. Like, yes, it's like a dark, serious moment. And I've seen some people, you know, we kind of alluded to them in prior episodes. I feel I don't feel like it's an issue to say, but people like Star Wars Theory saying that this show isn't dark enough. It's like, <laughs> dude, in the last episode, we saw a kid's neck get snapped. Uh, we see Obi-Wan get burnt alive. In this episode, yep. we see a small youngling just dead and hanging there like art on the wall. You know, like it's it's pretty dark dude you know yeah um so it's stuff like that that it's like yeah it gets super dark but i just love in the midst of this darkness there is Terra Sanube on the wall uh as well as some other friend, uh, familiar faces but that was really the one that stood out to me i i tweeted out i was just like you know i i i knew that deborah chow was a, was a star wars fan and there's another reference to clone wars in this uh another pretty subtle one but i was just like Deborah Chow, you absolute maniac. D you know, Tara Sanube, <laughs> if I see, if I ever run into Deborah Chow, that's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to be like, 
Terrace like, Anube? Why? <laughs> anyway, I'll get off. Uh, know, I'll I... get off my uh, Terrace Anube apple cart. But I was just so, so surprised uh, and just so bewildered that this weird old, you know, character who has very little significance in the grand scheme of things was in this. It was amazing. I do. I, I do think that this is one of those perfect opportunities, though, of like, okay, who are we going to put in these blocks? Yeah. And and people are watching this, you know, expecting a big, a big reveal. Yeah. You know. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if people were like, Oh, I, b- I bet Mace Windu's in one of those little chambers. Yeah. And it's like, this isn't, this isn't that, this isn't the moment for that. Yeah. This is, you know, clearly conveying a different kind of message. And so I can just imagine in the boardroom, they're like, well, who can it be? And, you know, and then one lone writer cause... stands and says, I have yeah. the perfect candidate and then throws down just like <laughs> a photocopied <laughs> image of Terrace Anube. Yeah, they, they like they just whip it across the table. And it slides all the way over to Deborah Chow and she's like, perfect. Run it. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know how or why or, you know, what uh, hoops needed to be jumped through to get this character in here. But boy, was I thrilled to see him. Just the best. Just the best. Worth every penny, in my opinion. So uh, after this moment, Noah, uh, Kenobi says that he needs a distraction to lure Reva away from Leia. So Tala summons uh, the the uh, young Inquisitor uh, and, and, and offers uh, to give her some information. Uh, Tala claims that the Path insurgents operate from Florum, another uh, Clone Wars reference, uh, and the uh, Sertar sis, uh, sector using a salvage business as, fr- as a front. Excuse me. Uh, Tala advises the Third Sister to send Imperial forces immediately to crush the network but reva realizes that she is lying uh just another uh, kind of clone wars reference here is cool to see uh references to that i wonder if kenobi was on the com link and was like oh hey i've been there <laughs> i've been to florum uh you've been to florum i've been to florum it's like n- nice people there yeah yeah, yeah yeah uh meanwhile kenobi shuts down the lights in the interrogation chamber and he takes out both stormtrooper sentries with his lightsaber and frees leia from the torture harness uh, Leia is relieved that Kenobi is alive and tells him that she did not tell the Empire anything. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the lightsaber progression in this because, yes, we saw Kenobi uh, ignite his saber for the first time last week. But this is really the first opportunity that we get where Kenobi is full force using his lightsaber, taking out mm-hmm. stormtroopers and seems to have a lot more confidence in his handling of his saber in this episode. I think that the confidence is something, yes, you know, it's, it's obviously on display. I do think the way that it's done though, not only looks sick as hell, um, just because of the way that this shot is composed in this scene in general. Um, but it is something that when you break it down, this isn't him charging in and, you know, dealing with it with a lightsaber and and being able to be like, yep, I've got a laser sword, so I'm going to rush in. No problem. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly calculated and very precise and still, you know, still very deadly and very, uh, you know, very fluid, but in the way that, you know, it's, it's a plan it's thought out and it's, you know, yeah. kind of what you would expect in terms of this guy is not only, a little bit out of shape, out of practice, but he's also a little bit injured and he's getting back into this thinking, what is the way that I can accomplish, you know, ABC, whether it's taking out two guards, yeah. what is the way that I can accomplish this at my abilities currently while doing it in a way that 
is going to get the job done as fast as possible. It's really, really cool. I, maybe I'm breaking it down too much, but that's kind of what, where my head was at. No, I don't think that you're diving in too deep because I'll, I'll take it a step further. And I think that we talked about a lot last week about Kenobi's ignition of the saber and what that says for his character. And I like that we're continuing that trajectory of if the saber is to me, an acknowledgement of I am a Jedi, you know, of the, you know, of the Republic, uh, and I am on a mission. I'm on official Jedi business here. I think that seeing Kenobi not only become more proficient in this, but also kind of go back to that Kenobi that we are familiar with in this, you know, form three, you know, Kenobi and, and, you know, deflecting the, the blaster bolts of the seeker droid and taking out the small battalion of stormtroopers after this, he even does a little spin like that. So much. Oh, this, the spin is so good. I need to find that gif and save it to my phone because there's a whole Twitter page dedicated to attack of the clones Kenobi, where he's spinning the, you know, f- spinning the saber and then plunges it into the creature there. Like that's, you know, that's, 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 that's my guy right there you know that's that's prequel obi-wan kenobi and so just even that small spin just kind of communicates that idea that slowly but surely he's getting kind of back into the swing of things if you will you know and this idea that it is it is you know it is a slow gradual process but he is he is still there and i think that that's communicated really well in that he takes out these stormtroopers in a dark you know, uh, dimly lit room to where he's not, you know, proudly displaying himself as a Jedi and he's kind of taking them out in secret here. So yeah, maybe he's not trying to draw as much attention to himself or, you know, it's not as flashy or maybe it just looks cool to have a, you know, blue lightsaber in a dark room. I don't know, but which it does. I mean, you're right. It does. And it also, some people online were bringing up some, uh, I believe a cinematic trailer from uh, force awake force unleashed three and, uh, excuse me, force unleashed two. I believe it was from E3. Uh, and Sam Witwer was uh, kind of uh, poking fun at Kenobi of, you know, it was just like, ah, first he takes my legs. Now he takes my moves, you know? So that, (laughs) That was kind of fun to see that. But I love that. I think it communicates beyond just maybe being a cool callback to this uh, trailer for a video game. I don't really know if that's the case, but who am I to say? Terra Sanube is in this episode. Uh, But to me, it communicates that Kenobi is still operating from the shadows a little bit. But even at the end of this episode, just again, it's baby steps here. But he is slowly but surely starting to become that Jedi of the Republic and and, and Obi-Wan Kenobi as opposed to just Ben Kenobi as we knew him. Yeah, it's one of those things that we, you know, again, we'll see it later in the episode where it's not a proud I'm a Jedi. Yeah. He's still very much, you know, secretive and, and you know, trying to be protective. Yeah. And and he ends up using a blaster, you know, yeah. instead of drawing the attention and saying, here's me. Yeah. You know, this is this is Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. Exactly. Um, I, I think it's I think it's really good. I do love, especially in this, you know, the hallway fight where he's kind of blocking bolts from both sides and and protecting Leia. Mm-hmm. Um, not only does it obviously feel like prequel Kenobi, um, but I think more specifically to me, it was very reminiscent of Phantom Menace um, and his stages of learning uh, when they're first attacked by the battle droids yeah. um, was very much like, you know, seeing blaster bolts being blocked. That was like a big thing, yeah. obviously. And But that's like the main way that they tend to do things in the Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not offensive it's very defensive just really cool stuff whether or not that's supposed to say hey obi-wan's still kind of relearning um you know i don't know if that's incredibly accurate because he's obviously has the proficiency it's just a matter of getting back into it but just 
again, I'm loving it. Yeah. Loving and it. I think it's also, you know, let's not, lest we forget, it's like the lightsaber and, and dueling with a saber and, and protecting yourself is a very spiritual thing. And it has very much to do with your connection with the force. So the fact that Kenobi is getting a little bit more proficient with it means that he is connecting to the force. But there is one act that he does uh, pretty soon, which we'll talk about, which I think uh, even more so shows that connection between him and the force. So uh, as Reva, a purge trooper and stormtroopers reinforcements uh, close in on them, Kenobi deflects the blasts, uh, sealing the blast door on their end of the tunnel. Uh, Kenobi uses the force to delay a cracking window while Tala reunites with Leia. Uh, the purge trooper and stormtroopers force their way through the door and Kenobi releases the broken window, causing the tunnel to flood. Um, I loved this moment. Uh, I, we, I just, uh, you know, kind of referenced this scene here, but it was so powerful to me that in this show we've we've seen Kenobi use the force uh, like we talked about at the beginning of the episode him kind of slowly but surely getting you know more attuned with it but I love that in this show there's been really two times where he's fully used the force in earnest uh, and and in both times in both instances it's been to protect Leia uh, I love that in him fully you know resubmerging himself in the force both times it has been for defense and to save someone else like that to me uh, beyond anything is so uh, important and impactful to me because I would much rather it be that than just a cool action moment you know I love that he is using it for defense you know knowledge and defense is a, is a huge part of being a Jedi and I love that he is completely filling that mandate in his using of the force and dipping back into that in this series yeah, it's something that is very clear. And again, I, I think I've mentioned this. I recently was rewatching Avatar, which, you know, kind of deals with these same, you know, spiritual things and these spiritual connections. Yeah. And it's very much, you know, th these things are going to come out the most when you are emotional about things, when you are, you know, connected spiritually. Right. Um, that's definitely not hard yeah. to understand and even still you're seeing you're you know in this scene kenobi struggles he's struggling with with this thing but it's that important to where if he's just sitting there on a bench he can't lift up this small box yeah. without you know without a, a decent amount of trouble but when it you know when crap hits the fan yeah you know that's it's going to be the time where that has to come out that emotion is there that motivation is there really kind of obvious in a good way of like, yeah, look at this. Okay. That's important. Remember that for later, you know? Yeah. And I think it's also, I don't know if it's an intentional thing or not, but uh, in Jedi Fallen Order, Vader also kind of holds back the water with uh, yep. the you know using the Force as well. But it's kind of to protect himself because he's pursuing other people. So it is kind of that again. Might be wearing a tinfoil hat here, uh, but maybe it is this idea of using the Force uh, to kind of uh, protect other people. But instead, uh, Kenobi is or instead Vader is using it to protect himself while he's actively uh, pursuing other people and other people who are Force sensitive young children. You know, so, uh, yeah. uh, yes, it's, it's, I've already seen people kind of poking fun of like, maybe the fortress needs to get some stronger windows, man. This has happened a couple of times, which, you know, I just think they need to move. I just think that's yeah, the it, whole underwater you know? situation. It's just like, it's kind of impractical. There's no parking, you know, it's just a, right. it's a real drive right. to get there. You got to take a connecting flight and everything. It's probably just a big issue. Yeah. 
And who wants to work in a place where there's hardly any sunlight? You know, exactly, exactly. You just got this. It's not good for you. Yeah, it's not probably good not you. good for you. Probably not good, not good for morale either. So. Um, after this, Noah, the trio escapes onto the other side of the tunnel, which they seal temporarily with the blast door. Uh, Tal and Kenobi reach the main hangar. Uh, Kenobi dons an imperial great coat, uh, or a, uh, imperial gray coat, excuse me. It also is a gray coat, uh, it is. Uh, but with uh, Leia hiding underneath. Uh, meanwhile, the fifth brother orders the Fortress Inquisitorius, uh, and Fortress Inquisitorius to be locked down, blaming the third sister for mishandling the situation. He is accompanied by the fourth sister as well. Uh, I thought this was a really telling moment of kind of the the dynamic between the the Inquisitors at this time, because in this moment, the fifth brother in his pursuit of Reva more so than Obi-Wan and, uh, and, and Leia completely doesn't even recognize them because he's so focused on Reva, despite the fact that Obi-Wan is literally pulling like a little rascals maneuver here. And it's like yeah. hiding Leia under this trench coat. Like it's just, yeah, it's, it's uh, very telling of their lack of uh, lack of teamwork and lack of trust. Uh, among I mean, the he might as well have been like wearing the Groucho Marx glasses and nose and mustache. hundred you know? percent. Yeah. Like that was the disguise was not a disguise. Yeah. It was just kind of, you know, we got to get out of here. You got to look like you fit in sort of. Exactly. You know? Yeah. The, the the fifth brother really is just he's got to be like the worst coworker. All he maybe it's those colored contacts. He can't truly see. Maybe that's he can't a, really see very much. Yeah, I'm know? not sure. But he's just he's that guy at work that's always just complaining, never helps out, just sits back and just criticizes. He never pitches in. It's like, what has he done this whole series? Complain. He tries to use the copier and it doesn't work. So he leaves it for somebody else to find. Exactly. And then, you know, exactly. That, that sort of stuff. He sucks. Uh, <laughs> but before Tala, Kenobi and Leia can escape, Reva in several purge troopers uh, and stormtroopers catch up with them uh, so great to see the purge troopers uh, in the series in full force they look a little so bit different. horrible to see them not in action though we'll see come we'll on we'll see some we'll see some just you I was wait. chomping at the bit I was, I was chomping at the bit I was too and all they get is a little bit of blaster action in this I want to see some staffs and some some real combat here but um, the series is not over so got two more episodes after this uh, but before the Imperials can carry out their execution a pair of T-47 airspeeders, uh, which are the same speeders as the uh, Battle of Hoth, if you're uh, mm-hmm. unfamiliarized, uh, strafe the Imperial forces on the platform. Tala, Kenobi, and Leia take advantage of the chaos to flee. Uh, this was a really great fun moment. Uh, I know Star Wars has lots of, you know, our heroes are in danger, but somebody else swoops in to save them. Uh, but to me, this wasn't like, a, you know, this wasn't a, uh, 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 what's the word? Um Oh man, what is Deus Ex Machina? A Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, it was not a Deus Ex Machina because it's it's it, Deus Ex Machina. It is not okay? Deus. That's, get out of here. It's uh, it's gotta be Deus. It, well, you can say whatever you want. Uh, I'm saying Deus because it's right. Uh, but okay, yeah, uh, I'm saying Deus because it's hilarious. Because it's funny. Because poop. Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Uh, but it is like established early on in the episode that this is kind of the mission here. So it was just really cool seeing these uh, the T47s like in a different. Uh, you know, kind of scenario in a different environment, even. Um, yeah. I really like that as, as well as just being like a fun kind of hero moment too. Yeah. And, and it does feel very Star Wars. It's one of those things where you're like, oh, where did they come from? But, you know, Star Wars have been doing that for a long time, like you said. Yeah. Um, and I do think that it's, again, it's one of those things that if you're going to be like, okay, yeah, they're, you know, they're redoing this. That's, you know, a, a very similar to these other things. 
just remember that this is not the rebellion yet, you know, and it's just one of those things that says, well, this is kind of where it's starting. This is what it looks like in the beginning. And, you know, it's come a long way, but these things don't change the, you know, the swooping in and saving doesn't change. Yeah. Um, I like that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. And I like that before this, they mentioned that these ships are not meant for combat. They're like meant to like haul stuff, you know, they're like little mini tow trucks. So it even reinforces this idea and makes almost the battle of Hoth even better. It's like, look at what they're going up against and look what the resources that they have. Like, it's just really this nice kind of David and Goliath story here. But I, I love what you're saying here in regards to kind of the cost of war, because we're, that's really demonstrated uh, in this scene here, because Reva uses the force to hurl a uh, some type of rectangular explosive at Wade's airspeeder, causing it to explode. Uh, Sully, his kind of uh, uh, wing wing person, wing woman, wing man, uh, so to speak, uh, is uh, devastated by the loss of her friend, but flies away. Uh, and then after this moment, we do get kind of the solemn, you know, mourning of Wade and this idea that it's like, okay, you're officially a soldier now. Uh, so I love, as we had talked about with Infus Ness and Rogue One, these slow but sure steps into the rebellion. Uh, and I think it also mirrors what Kenobi is going through here. And this idea that it's like, yes, this battle and this plunge that you're about to take is going to be scary and you're going to lose people and you might even lose your, your own life. But, you know, look at what you're going up against here yeah it's something that is demonstrated pretty heavily in rebels <laughs> oh yeah um, oh yeah and i and i love that recurring theme of well we're just kind of trying to you know put up some opposition because we don't want ourselves to be you know stuck under this boot um but it becomes something so much bigger and what's funny is actually you know you end up seeing that leia plays a part in that right. in rebels right um which i love but you know Again, a recurring theme of people, just people will, you know, will join this, this cause, um, because, you know, good people will fight if we lead them. That's what, that's what I always say. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's, you know, something like we had talked about at the beginning, some of these kind of parallels are a little bit more obvious than others, but I think that they are pure Star Wars and just really enforce the themes that most Star Wars projects kind of, uh, you know, uh, preach here and similar ideas here of the, you yeah, know, d- d- I would say like, don't say that this is like taking from something like Rogue One, where this is what leads into Rogue One. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> it's showing yeah. you the, you know, where it's going to end up. Again, so, this idea anyways. that it's not like a gotcha moment. It's like, no, we know, like we, we put that yeah. in there on purpose. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, I love all of that. Uh, later, uh, a furious Darth Vader meets with a third sister, fourth and fifth brother, uh, and forces, uh, force chokes Reva and levitates her from the ground. Uh, Vea tells her about her repeated failures and how it will lead to her, uh, demise as he threatens to kill her in this moment. Uh, however, Reva manages to save her own life by revealing that she placed a tracker on the ship. Uh, and she promised that the Empire will soon undercover the location of the Path Network uh, and Kenobi. Uh, Vader decides to spare Reva. Uh, in this moment, uh, a lot of stuff to discuss here. First off, the physicality of Vader. He storms he's, into this he's room. He's moving quick. He is piping I was mad. Like, 
I kind of backed up into my couch for a second. I was like, don't God, don't come any closer. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering if in this moment it was Hayden, you know, and this like if he brought that physicality or if it was maybe a stunt person or something like that. I want to know who kind of made this acting choice here, because, you know, sometimes we can forget that like in that in this timeline, Vader is like in his late 20s, you know, like he is kind of in his prime, so to speak. So to see him move at such a pace was like, you know, Ewan has talked about it a lot in the the press for this sh- for the show, but Vader is spooky in this. He is yeah. he is on a mission. It's you know it's in in Empire especially you kind of see this you know slowly moving Vader who feels like he's in control of things with the, maybe these small bursts of energy, but in this to see him just barely and after you was was really terrifying. And that's that's also something that I feel like is worth remembering is, yeah, people say like, well, he's not as physical. He's not as limber because, you know, he's missing both legs and is, you know, mostly robot. Yeah. Um, And that's true. But we know um, just as a canon thing that that Vader's physicality is is fueled a lot by his anger and right. fueled by his hatred. Yeah. And in this moment, I was gonna, I was going to ask you, like, in terms of Vader lines, how do you feel like was this a step up in terms of like the aggressiveness, the, you know, the delivery of these lines to where he's like, I'm going to I'm going to kill you. OK, yeah. because you suck. Yeah. Um, and it was very like I was like, OK, if we're seeing Vader at a at a place where he's pretty mad, mm-hmm. like, yeah, he's going to be a little bit more physical because he's really fueled by that. Yeah. You know, I, I, for me, it was never the lines. It was more like in regards to the last episode, I wasn't the voice acting of of James Earl Jones. I found to be a little flat to the degree that I thought yeah. it might, there might be some AI trickery in there. Uh, I don't know if that's the case. I kind of saw some conflicting information about that online even. So I guess we'll see when the dust settles what what was, you know. I assume we'll get like a Disney gallery of this series. So I'm curious to see what that was all like. Um, But for me, I thought Vader worked really well in this. uh, And he does kind of have this unique level of anger to where it's, he's mostly seems like in the original trilogy, mostly seems just annoyed. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. And just like, you know, kind of sassy where in this, he was just like pure rage. So to see kind of a different side of that, I thought it really came through, but as well as the, you know, the physicality of the performance and the, and you know, not just the voice, but uh, under the suit as well, I thought was uh, came through. So if it was Hayden, bravo if it wasn't also bravo i don't know who the uh, stunt performer or the physical actor was under the mask there uh but uh whoever it, whoever it was it was just uh incredibly intimidating the, the, the rage was it. was really clear uh in that and so um no after this uh Sully's airspeeder is picked up by a larger ship uh rowan asks about where wade is uh Sully replies that they are all now soldiers uh before sitting to grieve her comrades passing uh, Leia extends a hand to her rescuer uh, and holds hands with uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, who seems to be now her friend. Uh, but Leia's droid Lola beeps and glows red from under her. Um, first off, aww. <laughs> man, man. So sweet. So tiny tender. Hand, oh, yeah. Tiny little hand. I'm not going to lie. Your boy got misty eyed in this moment. Yeah. Incredibly yeah. sweet uh, moment. And it just kind of, you know, it, it, this whole series has just really developed my, you know, even perception of the relationship between Leia and Kenobi uh, because they don't really spend 
any time together in A New Hope. Uh, and to see right. this here just really furthered that connection there. And that Help Me Obi-Wan Kenobi line means so much more than it ever did. And the 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 whole, you know, Ben Kenobi's here. Yeah. That, you know, knowing that this is the place where Leia is, you know, finally yeah. coming to the realization that 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 Obi-Wan is kind of the, you know, the Jedi that she's heard so much about. Yeah. Um and and knowing firsthand what, you know, being in danger is like and then being saved by someone like Obi-Wan Kenobi is just I mean in terms of their relationship, it's huge. Yeah. It's, it's a huge moment. And it's really good to to see this, to to know that the kind of the air in the room is a much different feel than, you know, than we've seen before. Yeah. Uh, because looking forward, you know, Leia is not in a, you know, I'm scared because she's saved now. But it, it, but it is like a gratefulness and yeah. a like that that was scary but we're okay now Uh obviously we know that things will progress from here but our heroes don't so getting that kind of breath of air after this episode is a very interesting place for them to be to showcase you know this connection that they have of you know what you know what was the aftermath of of whatever happened to where now leia trusts obi-wan with her life you know yeah i'm very curious to see what the progression you know further from here is as i I, because we don't really know a lot of the marketing has kept us pretty much in the dark uh from this point on so i'm curious to see now that this droid lola is 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 tracked is vader going to you know pursue the path is reva going to pursue the path i assume in the next few episodes we'll get because we only have two left um, I assume that Reva will uh, and her backstory will be, you know, further cemented and what exactly went uh, on with her uh, and Kenobi will continue to uh, develop into becoming Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, Jedi Master. Uh, and I'm very excited to see that. So uh, two episodes left, Noah. The series is coming to a close, but maybe or maybe not. Uh, we've got some info on uh, potential season two or a follow up story on this. So. Uh, I'm all for it. Give me, uh, give me all the Kenobi stories and the Kenobi adventures. If it's just him going to Mos Eisley and, you know, working at his little whale factory, you know, <laughs> uh, by God, I'm all here for it. If it's just Kenobi moving from the cave to the hut, uh, and just seeing him kind of wondering where the couch is going to go. Um, it's, it's just up. him with the property brothers, Jonathan and Drew. Oh. And they're like, you're going to love the place that we've set up for you. And he's like, can't be much worse than this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so uh, two weeks left, Noah, we are barreling through uh, getting close to the end of the show. Uh, but until then, Noah, do you want to go ahead and wrap it up and take us home? Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. We hope you learned something today. If there's any topics or bits of news you think we should cover, you can head over to our Twitter and shoot us a message at scumvillainpod. But for now, this has been Scum and Villainy with Noah DeGeorge. And Garrett McDowell. And may the force be with you. We'll see you next time. See you guys. See you guys.